Welcome to Voicing Startups, where I, Colin Bournes, interview founders and operators changing the world through audio, voice, and conversational technology. This week on the Voicing Startups podcast, I am talking with Otto, co-founder and CEO of Speechly. Speechly is helping developers build next-generation voice user interfaces. What makes them unique from offerings by incumbents like Google or Amazon is their speech-to-intent spoken language understanding API. This API allows developers to build real-time, multimodal interfaces for complex, natural language-enabled tasks for both consumer and enterprise applications alike. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Voicing Startups. Hey, Otto, thank you for coming on the Voicing Startups podcast. Hey, Carling, great to be here. Can we just start with a quick background of yourself? Sure, sure, sure. So I'm an old nerd, started programming at 10 years old and, and did all kinds of computer odd jobs, you know, had my own bulletin board system, built websites, you know, was quite active in the local demo scene in Finland and, and all kinds of stuff and started my studies focusing on computer science and ended up studying topics that nowadays are considered artificial intelligence. Back then they were more like neural networks and machine learning, data mining, the kinds of, you know, very complicated computer science problems that computer scientists like to put in a bucket called artificial intelligence. And that was back a long time ago and wasn't as sexy as it is nowadays. Yeah, so then I was working in some startups, doing some development work, but then actually decided to pivot my career and went into the business side. So, so to the dark side, majored in business strategy and ended up doing management consulting for over 10 years, during which time I started my own management consultancy boutique focusing on digital strategy and transformation. And then I grew it to become one of the most successful ones in the Nordics before selling it off. And that's how I ended up starting Speechly or the background before starting Speechly. Awesome. So what's, uh, what's like the elevator pitch of Speechly and, and really the origin story of the business? Great. So, so actually, funnily enough, uh, the, the origin story of Speechly links very, very tightly to my background. So actually, during my studies, I met my co-founder, Hannes. Uh, we used to study together. We used to teach programming together. And we were a bunch of the, the nerdy AI guys at the university interested in these topics that nobody thought that would be very interesting. And, and while I was the black sheep of the group, actually piloting myself to the dark side, Hannes and the guys continued on the tech track. And, and, and Hannes did his PhD in machine learning, then went on to Google, building, on, building the Maps product then did his mandatory Nokia stint. We are from Finland originally, so of course all Finns needed to do their, their mandatory Nokia stint uh, in the heydays of Nokia. Of course, nowadays it's a bit different. And then, then, then he went on to, to build the data infrastructure for Robio, which is the company behind Angry Birds. And after that, consulting and ended up at Apple building uh, Siri and, and the NLU side for Siri. And that's where, where uh, it kind of dawned, dawned upon us that, that there was a... There was a gap in the market. There was a lot of companies, especially the internet players, sitting on top of a hordes of data that were creating these, these voice technology products. And they were really focusing on building assistance. And we were thinking about this, this voice UI uh, side and how to build, build better, better voice UIs. And, and we were experimenting with the existing technologies, but, but felt that, that they, they weren't good enough. And that's, that's really when, when 
uh, when Hannes wanted to collect our old old mafia together <laughs> from our study times and, and put together a, a team to, 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 to solve this problem. And uh, we've now spent the last three years, actually a bit more than three years, building the technology. And we originally started actually by, by building the kinds of voice UIs we had been envisioned using the technologies of the existing players, you know, the Googles, the Amazons, the IBMs, the Nuances. And this was three and a half years ago. And then we realized that, that you know, they were, they were good if you were doing something like simple, like, you know, controlling your home automation or, or doing like simple tasks. But, but if you wanted to really build something more complex, more sophisticated, solve a user problem that was a bit more uh, com complicated, that's, that's where we hit the limitations of this technology. And, and, and we kind of were thinking from a UI perspective, uh, like how to better solve the end user's problem using voice as a tool to solve that. And, and one of the realizations we made was that, that actually, you know, like human communication, human communication is not actually only about a turn-based audio dialogue. Human communication is actually a quite a complicated two-way real-time interaction where, where both parties give each other feedback, not only, only using sound and voice, but actually also using gestures, using, using facial expressions, even touch, especially in some, some cultures, you know, touch and gestures become more important than in other, other cultures as part of the communication. So, so that was kind of the, the motivation. And that's, that's how set up uh, to, to, on the path to actually build technology that allows uh, you to build these kinds of voice UIs. So that would be the kind of the origin story in a nutshell. Awesome. Yeah, I want to dig into the product and, and some of the use cases um, of it that that's super interesting but before we dig into that just more of the sort of nuts and bolts of the the business um, who are you targeting like who's your target customer with speechly and in the business model um, behind the product yes yes so we are building a technology for developers so all developers out there and I'm not, by the way, talking about voice developers. I'm talking about developers on the web, on applications, you know, on all kinds of platforms and frameworks that are building products and services that could benefit from a speech, uh, speech features or functionalities. So that's that's our target group. And how our business model works is that that we are an API, an API where you stream user audio and you receive the response. Uh, of the user's intents and entities and transcripts in real time. And, and that, that naturally uh, is built uh, based on usage, like, like most API businesses. Great. And then uh, what's really like the key value proposition um, of being able to add voice or um, use speechly in these sort of different modalities? Because you talked about um, the, the importance of real time, the, the sort of multimodal um, importance. Can we dig into the actual product itself and, yep. and how important uh, or what really makes the, the product valuable? Yeah, very, very good, good, good question. So uh, like mentioned, we started experimenting and, and building voice with the existing generation of technologies. And we realized that, that how the technology has been built, it actually processes uh, the audio and the voice in sequential steps, first translating voice into text then processing text and extracting meaning out of it, and then figuring out an application-specific reaction to the user's input, and then reacting to the user. 
And, and what our technology does that is very different from the other technologies out there in the market is that it actually processes in real time end-to-end the user's speech and translates that into their intents and entities. So while the user is speaking, you can actually get uh, the information about the intent of the user and entities as soon as the user has provided sufficient information uh, for, for that, uh, that to be processed and, and, and realized. So that's, that's the key, key proposition. And why, why that is important is that when you are working with, with more complex user problems, let's, let's take an example. Uh, let's say that you're booking a table. So, so you, would, you would probably want to express something like, I don't know, like book a table for four people in New York City next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, in a Mexican restaurant with low low priced food or, or whatever you know that's that's actually quite a complicated query so so you would actually need to extract quite a lot of information out of that now if you are using the the, the kind of the, the current generation of technologies how that is processed is that that you know while the user is speaking you know you know it's been recorded and at, when the user stop speaking then um, the the speech recognition apis um, uh, basically return with a transcript and that transcript is then sent out to natural language understanding processing, after which the intents and entities are coming out. And then the application needs to figure out what to do. And what that means is that the, the first time the user actually gets any kind of feedback about whether the system understood him or her or not is only after having finished all the way through this long query and then also waiting a, lo- a little time. Now, if you actually process uh, the user's uh, audio in real time, you can actually provide the user with feedback, for example, through using other modalities like a visual visual feedback system where you would actually be able to tell the, the user and show the user um, in real time or, of course, in near real time. We're talking about an API here. Uh, that that whether the system actually understood the the user or not. So that would mean that when the user has said that that book a table, very shortly after that one, the user's intent is pretty clear. So it's they want to book a table. That's that's great. And then when they have just said you know for four persons, very shortly after that one, it becomes evident that okay, the number of persons is four. And and when when they they proceed like that, you know, it allows you to provide instant feedback to the user, which actually provides the user with the necessary confirmation that the system is understanding it. It's it's a bit like when when you look at how people use the Siris and and Alexas and those ones, they tend to start to speak computer language because they don't have the confidence that if you would explain it in human language and you would have a more complicated query, pretty long query, that that the, the, the machine would actually understand them. And that's normal. But when you have a system that actually can in near real time basically provide you with feedback whether they are following you or not, like a human being kind of nodding or, or saying, mm-hmm, uh-huh, then, then it kind of you know, gives the user the confidence to, to either keep going with the query or then actually very fast fixing it and repeating something. No, actually four people, not, not three. So, so that, that I think it sounds like a small feature, but that, that's actually a, a very, very big part of it. So. Yeah, so there's there's a lot to sort of unpack there. Um, I'd be curious just if you had to sort of itemize, uh, I guess, some of the key pitfalls um, that some of the, the incumbent or, or current um, uh, UI or voice UIs offer. What what would you say are some of those key pitfalls and and, and offerings that that you're able to 
um, provide as an alternative? Yeah, yeah. So like mentioned, uh, from the user experience perspective, the biggest differentiator is the fact that, that our system does end-to-end uh, processing of, of the, the speech all the way into the, the intents and entities. So the ability of doing that in real time is, is, is something that, that is missing from the current existing systems. So that, I would say, is, is the key, uh, let's say, customer experience related, uh, related uh, benefit from, from our system. Then there's of course you know uh, other other topics, uh, especially when you're talking with with larger enterprises. So in, in my previous life, I used to be advising a lot of European very large corporations about their digital and data related strategies, and and there's a lot of a lot of grown understanding and, and awareness within within large corporations about the value of their data. So a lot of companies are starting to understand across industries that a lot of the future value of what they are creating is actually based on data. And data is an asset you need to protect. And, and that means that, that when you are operating in an environment where you are in a kind of co-operative relationship with some of the, the big players in the block, the internet players, you might be in a situation where you would be inclined to, to, to want to keep the, the data uh, you know, protected, protected from from that. So, so that's actually something that that we believe that that by by being an independent player who who doesn't have data-based business models and, and and isn't monetizing data is something that that is quite valuable. And that's something that comes to us actually quite often, especially in in industries that are more mature in terms of their understanding of their value of of data. And of course, you know, uh, another another thing is that that one of the one of the uh, inbound requests we get quite often are companies that, that, that have been trying to build something using the existing technologies. And they've, they've tried to take the, the off-the-shelf uh, technologies that there are out there, which is actually really easy to try and really good. And they've tried to apply that to their own domain and build services on top of those ones. Now, oftentimes what happens is that, that um, those, those off-the-shelf models are really, really good if we're talking about this kind of like daily spoken language. But when you enter a, an industry that has very specific industry vocabulary, a company that has very specific company product names or competitor product names, the, the off-the-shelf systems typically start to, to fail in, in terms of, of they would rather be biased in predicting, predicting the user's input into something very more mundane, a daily word rather than a complicated industry term, which is normal because they've been trained trying to put those kinds of data sets. Now, we've noticed that, that, that actually it's quite important when you're creating actual, like real, real value-adding applications, not just uh, funny marketing, marketing uh, um, stunts, um, that actually the, the, the system really well picks up the industry-specific words and the company-specific words. So that's, again, something that, that our system is really good at. So it's very easy for developers to, to self uh, customize the models and, and bias them to, to the domain. So that means that it's, it's, it's very easy to make it more likely to understand and teach the, the industry vocabulary. And, of, and in addition to that one, for, for enterprise uh, customers, we also provide the opportunity to actually uh, customize the acoustic models, especially when you're talking about uh, usage contexts you know, in, in factory floors or in, in, in warehouses or in call centers or in a car or, or whatever, where there is a certain type of 
of acoustic environment, it makes a huge difference if, if the model is actually tailored for those ones. So that would be, again, another, another quite, uh, quite, you were asking about pitfalls, so that, that would be a pitfall in the current systems, the inability of to be able to do that. So are you really, um, I guess, commoditizing NLU or are these organizations going to need to have their own um, dedicated teams and resources to uh, maintain their own sort of uh, NLU models to, to work or, or, or what sort of need are you filling there? Excellent, excellent question. So when it comes to, to NLU competence, we are trying to build um, a spoken language understanding product for developers that would allow developers without prior natural language understanding model to be able to start building natural language understanding models. So, so we, are, we are in a way trying to empower uh, developers all around the globe in being able to easily build uh, NLU for whatever service they're building. So, so, so coming back to your question about do we envision uh, enterprises having NLU teams? Uh, in a way, we envision um, enterprises to have developers who have the, the, the capacity and the know-how of being able to actually you know, maintain those, those rules. And, and our, our product uh, also allows them to, to, to access the, the necessary analytics and, and model training and data annotation and so on tools that allow them to do that easily. Great. And can we dig into uh, some of the, the actual use cases or, or product examples? Um, because you mentioned that uh, like the, the sort of Amazon or Google, um, they're good for doing simple tasks, um, but where you really shine is with that more complex, natural, true, true natural conversation language um, sort of interaction model. Can we, can we dig into some of those use cases that, that show that, um, that value proposition? Yeah, sure, sure. So um, usually I like to start, start uh, uh, this by, by using an example from, from very daily activity that everybody can relate to. So, so such a very mundane task as, as grocery shopping sounds very trivial, but the ones of us, most of us who have been doing online grocery shopping actually, or I, I haven't actually talked to anybody who would absolutely love it or enjoy it. Everybody thinks it's quite tedious and it's still quite cumbersome unless you always order the same basket or unless you only order one, one item at a time when you're out of it. But when you're actually, you know, planning your, your grocery shopping for, for a week, uh, you know, that's something that actually, you know, it becomes quite complex. So that's, that's again a task that it sounds very simple, but, but you know, if you're trying to do that using your desktop or mobile or using your Alexa or, or Siri or whatever, it actually takes quite a lot of time. But if you're able to combine those uh, into a multimodal application that actually, while you start listing what you wanna have, shows you in real time, you know, the products that they, they found the quantities and it, it allows you as a user to, to actually get the feedback really fast and get the confidence that the system actually understood what, what, what products you wanted to have. It allows you to very easily, for example, use touch to, to change the products and, um, and so on. So there, there's a lot of really, really good uh, uh, benefits of, of actually using a multimodal approach in, in solving a, a user task like this. So that's, that's one kind of like con consumer example. Other examples are, you know, when you are, uh, using, for example, uh, streaming media or, or 
or uh, any any kinds of like consuming content in real time, it's quite convenient to to control that in a very very flexible and, and real time manner. So that's that's something where real time also has has good good benefits. Uh, one interesting domain also where we are seeing a lot of lot of interest is actually in the VR and AR space. Um, and that's quite interesting. We were thinking a while at why is this, but then we then we figured it out, and and it's quite logical actually. You know, when you are immersed in an in an experience that, of course, immersion is real time, and you want to to manipulate your surroundings, and and your current options are basically to use a keyboard or mouse that you aren't aren't seeing, or these controllers, these motion controllers in your hands, and you want to anyway interact with the environment it just you know it becomes very obvious and intuitive that that you know being able to to use speech to 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 interact with your environment is is something that that is very 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 important and in this case when you're immersed in in this uh in this experience you know if there is a huge delay in terms of you know you being able to to explain a query and then seeing any kinds of feedback, it actually breaks the immersion, and that that kind of like that that creates a very horrible user experience. But if you are able to actually create a a immersed uh, UI where the interaction actually happens in real time, so that the environment reacts in real time, uh, for for example, you can you can know. Um, change the colors of, of your surroundings, you know, summon some objects, you know, change objects in front of you, you know, to teleport to different places, you know, check out more information about about objects around you or, or whatever. So there's a lot of stuff where it actually makes a lot of sense sense for you to 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 uh, to, to use voice. Um, another interesting area is is professional work. So, if you are an expensive professional, let's talk about you know engineers, doctors, you know field personnel out there traveling, you know, and and you have a use case where you would like to capture data from the field. That's again something that is is quite quite uh, interesting use case for for voice technology, uh, where you can actually very easily allow your field staff to to for example you know capture structured data you know uh, make make complaints make issues uh, make use cases uh, uh, record incoming objects units products you know whatever so so that's again something that is that is quite quite interesting interesting uh, for us for us so 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 there's there's a couple of examples well one, one interesting example is uh, healthcare uh, that's also a B2C example. So, so I don't know, uh, have you ever, Colin, tried to, to be on a diet? And have you ever been trying to track your calories? I, it's funny. I actually uh, I made a tweet about that yesterday that it would be nice to have some sort of um, multimodal <laughs> app for that. Because, no yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've, I try <laughs> to, um, but it does get cumbersome over time, you know. Um, so it's yes. kind of funny you bring that up. <laughs> yes. Funny, funny coincidence because that's that's for example something that's actually that was the first voice UI we ever built around three years ago. That was the first kind of prototype, and the task was really about being able to track your calorie consumption, and and that's that's quite quite interesting and and that's that's a use case where I've also been trying to track my calories and I've used all the different applications and I I, I maybe. I can do it for a week or two, but then I just, you know, I lose it. It's just too cumbersome. 
But but you know that's again something where where if you're able to actually just tell the system what 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 you have eaten and you can see in real time that the system actually understood you and and calculates in in real time the actual calories to you. You can change the the kind of the whether if the if the um, meals are 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 part of, of what part of the day you know what's the quantities and so on so so that's quite quite interesting and that's funny enough that actually you know the 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 need for that one uh, of course there's the b2c use but there's also a lot of uh, interest and, and demand for that from the healthcare sector so that's that's actually quite interesting yeah what about um more on like the enterprise or b2b sort of side of things do you see some opportunities or general opportunities there or any sort of uh, inbound demand yes yes so so like like mentioned uh, one thing that is quite interesting is all kinds of industrial and manufacturing companies that have started to, to realize that that you know voice has a huge opportunity to optimize their processes in terms of really saving their uh, uh, workforces uh, time and and, and oftentimes it's, it's something related to either controlling a process for example in a in a, a factory floor or, or or then it could be about you know capturing data from from the field you know from where warehouses from logistics chains you know so so um, on that side from the the kind of like b2b uh, enterprise side uh, there's there's a lot of lot of demand uh, from that perspective where the, the kind of the business case for voice UIs there is more related to how can I save the, the expensive and valuable time of my professionals so so that's that's kind of the typical business case whereas on the b2c side it's more about how can i create a differentiated experience that improves typically my conversion and retention rates so it's kind of yeah. like a, there, there, there's clearly two kinds of business logics driving the demand uh, on b2c and b2b sides where do you see your focus uh being split between more of that that b2c demand b2c demand or b2b demand obviously being um an early stage company i'm sure you have um, have to, to focus on one more than the other? Do you, do you see one sort of pipeline being more interesting versus um, another? Or are you able to service both those with pretty much the same amount of effort? Yeah, so that's something that, that, that we were thinking a lot on the early days. Um, and actually, through that thinking and through working both with B2C companies and working directly with B2B companies, small and large, we, we actually, that was the reason why we decided uh, to actually opt for a developer-centric go-to-market. So, so we, we felt that, that as we are building a kind of fundamental kind of infrastructure or horizontal technology, it would be a, in a way a waste for us to, to make the decision to focus either on B2C or within a certain industry there or B2B there because we saw a demand coming from both angles and we were working with our technology. You know, in the early days, we were doing the actual voice UIs ourselves using our partners and then we were building voice UIs that actually were very beneficial beneficial and, and useful on both on both sides so it was a very hard decision for us to make and, and we we couldn't kind of you know select just one uh, area or one industry uh, because the technology seemed to work on all industries and that was actually the reason why we decided for this this kind of developer centric model yeah that that makes a lot of sense um, as you start to to wrap up the interview I want to sort of look into the future a little bit more um, both for, for speechly and also just sort of general audio and voice space. Um, but over the next year or so, where, where do you see um, speechly specifically going, um, both from a product perspective and just a business perspective? Yes. 
So uh, we will be, of course, expanding and developing our product. And our vision is to become the Twilio for voice UIs. So, so uh, in two years' time, I hope that, that we are already known by most of the developers. So there is a, a very big awareness among developers that when they're thinking about, you know, how can I add voice to my application or website or whatever product or service they're, they're building, you know, hmm, how do I do it? Ah, Speechly. So, so we would kind of like want to become the, the, the number one uh, uh, kind of like top of mind uh, technology for for developers and and we are actually now most interested what 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 really keeps up uh, keeps us up at night is really you know developer love so we are super insisted on and focused on that one so in two years time we would like to be you know the most loved developer brand out there that that empowers developers to do miracles that they they couldn't do without speechly and allows them to create amazing products and services that are speech enabled um, and, and it's super easy for them. They don't need to be machine learning experts. They don't need to be natural language understanding experts. They can actually be developers and really focus on, on building their products and services. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's a, it's a great vision. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. um, and then where do you see the, the future of voice going? What, get, what gets you excited about um, this space in the years ahead? So I'm I'm envisioning a, a future where where like you actually uh, touched upon in the beginning. I'm envisioning a future where voice is not a channel, but voice will be a modality. So it will be something that is ubiquitous. So like like nowadays, I have two small kids at home, and you know when we watch television, they always go and try to you know press the television or swipe the television because it's so intuitive for for little kids that of course you know everything. This is the way how you kind of interface with technology. So, so so I envision a future where in a couple of years' time, voice becomes ubiquitous, but not as a channel, not as a kind of assistant, not as a closed ecosystem, but actually as a modality that will be on every application, every website. Every hardware, you know, cars, refrigerators, you know, whatever. And I'm envisioning a future where if I get small, more small kids, you know, they will be actually talking to the elevator, to the television, to the applications. And if they aren't responding or understanding them, they will be super disappointed. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've, uh, I've seen that both in uh, like little nephews and, and, and cousins and whatnot and walking up to like a toaster and, and asking the toaster for some toast and, and getting mad that, that doesn't do that. So yes. yeah, they're, uh, the youth are definitely um, signaling uh, some sort of demand. That's, that's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned a big piece um, that you're looking for is developer love. Um, so where's the best place for people listening to the podcast to um, both use speechly and, and follow what you guys are up to? Good. So, of course, you know, the best source of information is our website. So, www.speechly.com. So, that's that's also where you can uh, enlist to the waitlist of our tool. So, we are currently onboarding developers as fast as we can. So, please uh, go and then register, register yourself to the waitlist and we'll onboard you to the platform ASAP. Uh, in the meanwhile, you can also go check out our GitHub pages, github.com slash speechly, and you'll find a lot of, lot of, lot of interesting, interesting uh, stuff there. And of course, you know, our Twitter speechly API is a good one to follow, and you can find us also, of course, in, in LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you, Otto, for coming on the Voicing Startups podcast. Thanks, Colin, for having me. It was great. 
This podcast is sponsored by Voice Punch VC. Voice Punch is a venture capital fund that is focused on voice-driven and voice-connected technology. So if you are a company or an entrepreneur that has a product that is in this sort of space, much like a lot of the different companies that I am interviewing, then you should reach out to the team by going to voicepunch.vc. 